Hi, and welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, we are Groundworks, and I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And what do we do, Alice? We design, <laughs> we install, and we maintain gardens in and around New York We're the A team. We're the A team. It's, it's October. Is it October? No, it's September. It's it feels September. like October. And we've got many more gardens to put in the ground. But right now, we're here broadcasting from two shipping containers in Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to Roberta's Pizza. And uh, we have um, a great sponsor today, Whole Foods Market. New York City's Craft Beer Week is just around the corner, beginning Friday, September 24th, and running through Sunday, October 3rd. To kick off the annual series, Whole Foods Market Bowery is hosting a beer and food pairing event in their beer room. Oscar Blues is on tap, and Chef Jacques Gautier of Park Slope's Palo Santo. Have you eaten there, Alice, yet? No. We have to go there. Um, is cooking up one of his South American delights to accompany. Food tasting goes from 5 to 7, and beer will continue till 9. With the Craft Beer Week Passport, get $3 off a 64-ounce growler fill. And you can meet Chef Gautier Friday, September 24th, and enjoy some special tastes on tap and from the kitchen. Um, so we aim to bring the culture to horticulture. And in doing so, we have a great topic today. It's very timely as we enter you know, harvest season. We're going back to fourth grade today, and we're going to talk about the three sisters. <laughs> Corn, beans, and squash. Take it away, sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I also wanted to mention that next Saturday is Heritage Radio Network's um, fundraising dinner. First ever. Yes, that's right. And I'm... We're looking forward to some awesome, awesome food from our sponsors, Hearst Ranch and Edwards and Son um, Prosciutto and uh, Poultry from Good Shepherd Ranch. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a great night. Um, if you're interested in coming, it's 100 bucks per person, and you can come and hang out with all of us hosts um, on the network. And uh, please RSVP. Um, at 718-389-0985. That's right, people. Put the mo your money where your mouth is That's and right. come and eat and drink with us. It would be really fun to hang out. So um, that is Saturday the 25th from 7 p.m. to midnight. Um, okay, so three sisters. Three sisters. Um, individually, these plants thrive together and result in um, the highest yield if they're planted together. Um, an Iroquois legend believes that the three plants are inseparable and that they should be interplanted for a sustainable and long-term approach to soil fertility and a healthy diet. They're believed to be the precious gifts from the Great Spirit, watched over by Dio Hako, who is one of the sister sustainer um, gods in mythology. So also according to the Eric Hoy, um, who chant you who sustain us to this trio, beans, corn and squash, um, the three sisters hold a spiritual ceremony and a celebratory place in the garden. So not only are the three sisters rich in mythological, cultural and botanical history, they belong together nutritionally and horticulturally. Do you think I should have Max, my son, chant um, this before yes. each meal? <laughs> yes. Well, He'd actually do that, I think. <laughs> now that he's a self-professed wizard, we can do that. <laughs> so diet-wise, this trio is extremely um, important and well-balanced. Corn provides carbohydrates and grain in the diet. Beans are a great source of protein. And squash gives fats and vitamins from the fruit that is not found in the beans and the corn. 
So uh, this trio is is important on a, a variety of different levels. It was first dominated by the ancient Mesoamerican societies. So corn is the primary plant in this trio, and it provides the most energies and calories per acre than any other plant. It's the corn that acts as the skeleton for the trio and as a natural pole for the beans to climb on. Can I interject something here, Alice, about the corn? for a second of course um i was reading too that and this may be uh, this may be obvious to some people but corn is not a perfect protein the foodies out right. there it's it it's actually pretty weak protein compared to wheat and other grains that are important in fact cultures even contemporary cultures now that only eat corn or mostly eat corn suffer from severe um, nutritional deficiencies mm-hmm. so it's so interesting to me that you know the indians um, the Native Americans, they didn't have the science to back up their, you know, mythology and their practices. And science has now caught up with it. Right. You know, right. it's really, really cool. But they realized that the other two, the beans and the squash, were equally important to this to this trio because the beans actually fix the nitrogen to the roots of the corn, which improves the soil and the fertility for more corn in years to come. And then the beans also help stabilize the corn plants, making them less likely to be affected by wind and and rain and, you know, falling over. So squash then becomes a living mulch um, in this trio. And it's it's a shallow rooted plant. So it shades out weeds and it prevents soil moisture from evaporating, which really helps in dry years. And also the spines then on the squash plants help with predator control, you know, from critters wanting to pillage the corn and the beans. Yeah, have you ever tried? I mean, if anybody's ever grown squash, you know what that's like, you just get your skin gets ripped. Yeah, you it know, gets all like it's very rough. Yeah, it's actually um, tough to harvest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so worth it. So what I really love about this Three Sisters is the interdependency that, that they all have. Um, that's what I love the most. It's the way that they cooperate and they work together for sustainability, producing not only beauty, but also a great diet and health attributes. And also it's the design of form-following functions. So this is a really old method of... Bauhaus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because they had plenty of space to spread out and they maximize their gardening space right. rather than chop down every tree in sight. Yeah. They, they were using the, probably the square foot gardening concepts that Ellie Coleman talks about now in the 20th century, you know, yeah. three, four hundred years ago. Yeah. You know? um, I think later on, too, I want to talk kind of about the design and, and how you plant this trio um, mm-hmm. to maximize it. So, To me, it's this triangle, which is such an odd shape, naturally, but it works. And, you know, who says three's a crowd? Yeah. (laughs) This is a good triangle. So my grandfather was a Scots Cherokee sharecropper in Tennessee, and he planted these three sisters every year. And some years were, of course, better than others. But as always, they were planted together in the hope for a good crop and another year of feeding the kids at little cost with a homegrown effort. So I found this song, um, originally written by Johnny Cash, um, which pretty much sums up my feelings about beans and interdependency and family and the combined efforts in family, in farming. So this is a song called Look at Them Beans While We Take a Break from We Dig Plants. Mm-hmm. Well, this time last year, there sure was a lot of sad faces around this old house. 
Our papa died without fulfilling his life's dream of producing one of the best crops in Grimes County. No, papa died with that dream still in his head. A desire in his heart, a, a promise on his lips, calluses on both hands, and two dollars in his pocket. Papa didn't live long enough to see his dream come true, so he died from too much work. A broken spirit, I guess, but a promise to our mama that if it's the last thing he'd ever do, he'd live long enough to see just one good crop come through. But see, we can't plan on things without first talking to God because we don't know his plans. And if we don't include him, my friends, the way can get mighty hard. They say that every time a good and righteous person is buried in God's good earth, it's just fertilizer for the soil. Well, I guess there must be some truth to that, whether we believe it or not. And I just wish that Papa's here right now so he could see this good crop that we finally got. Man, look at them beans. Man, look at that corn. Well, I'll bet them watermelon must be three feet long. Oh, look at them tomatoes. And look at them peas. Well, I know if Papa's here right now, He'd sure be pleased. Papa'd sure be proud of his children, too. My brother's famous now. He's got his own show traveling on the road in a customized bus he imported from Europe. That boy always did love music, and he loves to travel. I got a sister that's got a good job in a beauty shop. Making money, making other people look good. There ain't nobody here at the house now but me and Mama. Mama, she's getting weaker and she's getting older every day. And she talks often about joining Papa in his heavenly home. Lord, that woman sure did love that man. She worked beside Papa for 40 some odd years trying to produce a good crop. Never could grow a single bean. Well, I just wish that Papa's here right now so he could see this good crop that we finally got. Man, look at them beans. Man, look at that corn. And I'll bet them watermelon must be three feet long. Oh, look at them tomatoes. And just look at them peas. Yes, I know if Papa's here right now, he'd sure be pleased. And Papa, if you can hear me, look at them beans. Ah, look at them beans by Johnny Cash. Gotta You've been waiting for the harvest to play this song. <laughs> That's all my favorite year. song. Um, so, welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Carmen's going to talk for a second, or a few minutes, about how to plant and harvest these three sisters. All right. So, even though it's September, we're going to talk about next year and planning so we can have a good crop again. <laughs> look at them <laughs> beans! So, you want to sow the seeds of the three sisters in spring, after the temperatures at night reach at least 50 degrees. So... In the New York area, it's late May or early June. Um, Girls like it warm. mm -hmm. (laughs) They like to sink their toes into warm soil. Um, And you need at least a 10 by 10 foot square. That's like the minimum to try to get a decent, you know, crop. And the corn should be planted in several rows versus like one long row to ensure ensure better pollination. And you plant, plant in these mounds. 
and there should be about five feet from the center of the next mound. And the mound should be about 18 inches across, kind of with a flattened top, and then staggering the mounds is best as well. So that each row is comprised of like corn bean mound and then squash mound, corn bean mound, etc. And as those of you who've grown squash know how much, how big they get, um, they, they take up a lot of space. So it's not, um, you know, for people who have really, really tiny, limited no. space. It really, you really need deep soil, rich soil, and plenty of space. So the first step is you plant four seeds of corn in a six inch square per mound. And when the corn, which is a pretty fast grower, gets to be about four inches tall, then you plant four bean seeds about three inches from the corn in kind of a square shape around the corn. And then three squash seeds should be planted separately from the corn bean mound so that the two best squash plants, after you thin them, you know, um, cover the area. As Alice had said, it, you know, it keeps weeds out, it keeps pests out, and you really want to keep the site really clean and free of weeds until the plants mature because they are aggressive plants, but in the first few weeks of growth, they're really competing with weeds. You know, they haven't, their leaves aren't big and broad and they're not shading out anything yet. Mm -hmm. So that's a really important time. Um, in terms of the beans, you want to choose beans that are the runner type beans, you know, versus the bush beans, because you want the beans to climb up the corn stalk, not, you know, just be hidden by it. If you get the bush beans, they're going to be shaded out by the corn in no time, and then that's it. So also important is don't try to grow this in a shady garden. You need full sun um, for most vegetable gardens, and this is no exception. You must get six to eight hours of direct sunlight. And um, you want to amend the soil with aged manure or compost. Corn, as you can imagine, is a heavy feeder. And even though the, the nitrogen from the beans, you know, the roots of the beans will fix nitrogen, it's not going to be available to, to the corn until the next year. Right. So the first year you have to feed. This is really forecasted planting. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, it takes a good, you know, two and a half to three months from from planting to start harvesting. To look at them beans. And look at them beans. Um, and I'm a big bean lover, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Alice can attest to that. She rides with me in the van a lot. Um, <laughs> and I have some good memories beans, about beans. Beans, beans. <laughs> yes, roll down those windows. Let's talk about corn, come yeah. on. <laughs> All right, so let's start with corn. Um, so corn, whose botanical name is Zia maize, um, I find a really interesting plant because people don't think about the flower of, of vegetables very much, and I find that really interesting. We're, we're eating the seed pod, which mm -hmm. is like the ovary-filled seed pod, as our friend Scott told us yes. <laughs> last time. He reminded us of that when he told us that an eggplant can't be male. So the interesting thing about corn um, and, and its female maleness and pollination is that the male flowers of the corn is the tufts those um tassels on mm -hmm. top that are like waving in the wind you know blowing those things that you like pick off that you can't stand and floating you know. around in your water when no no that's the no that's the that's the silk and that's the female part that's the female uh, uh um the female uh, part of the reproductive system or the flowers is the silk and the male is the tufts on top okay. that are just waving okay. blowing their seed around okay. you know so what happens is it's a wind pollinated plant the males blow around their seed and then they scatter it onto those silks which are like you know 
long and thin, and then um, it sort of gets, you know, pollinated. And each of those little strands of silk that gets pollinated turns into a little um, pellet that turns into the puffy, plump little, you know, um, nugget, the kernel that's the kernel. in, in mm-hmm. there. So each one of those threads um, is, is a nugget. Is a nugget, a potential you know, nugget. Our kernel. So the interesting part is that, and that helps you determine when to pick it. Now, the way most Americans eat corn is green corn. Um, it's not left to ripen on the stalk. It's harvested in in, um, in summer, and it's really not ripe yet. It's not ripe seed. So, and we steam it or cook it or boil it or roast it or whatever, and it's juicy and sweet and fresh. But traditionally, um, the cob is usually sun dried and stored for winter use because corn keeps pretty well. So to harvest a green, you have to observe those silky threads coming from the top of the ears. And when that silky stuff is dry and a dark brown color, the corn is harvested. And to remove an ear of corn, even though it sounds obvious, um, hold the stalk a few inches from below the ear, pull the tip towards the ground until it snaps off. It should have like a quick and easy snap off. Otherwise, it's probably not ready. Now, beans can be eaten fresh or allowed to mature and kind of dry on the vine. And fresh beans are so amazing. Um, we're used to buying them dried or in the can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the canned ones are basically dried ones that have been cooked. But if you've ever picked um, fresh beans and cooked them for soup, it's a whole other world the of flavor. Is- it's completely different. It's yeah. really, really good. Um one of my favorite things to eat fresh off the vine are chickpeas. Mm-hmm. My grandmother would feed them to me when I was in Italy and visit her. And she was growing them mostly to dry them. Mm-hmm. But we would pick them. And it's completely different from the dried stuff. It's the most fresh tasting thing in the world. Um, so if you want to pick them when they're fresh and you don't want to let them dry on the vine, you have to look at the pods and make sure that the pods are firm and crisp but before the seeds within the pods are swelling. Once they start swelling, that's like the cue that the plant is going into its final sort of phase of development. So you pick the beans late in the morning after the night dew is sort of dried from the plants, and this helps to prevent the spread of bacteria, which can harm the plants. And you want to also be careful to pick the beans and not bruise them and snap the growing vines because it's it's easy to just like kind of pull on them, and then you can destroy the vine. So, um, and that's especially important because bean plants continue to flower and it'll continuously produce bean pods um, if you just continually harvest them before the bean seeds kind of swell up. Mm -hmm. So just keep on picking them and they'll produce more Mm -hmm. for as long as it's warm enough and the daylight hours are are long. Now, squash. um, Squash, of course, there's like many different types. um, And I'm not sure which ones the natives were growing. Pumpkins. Pumpkins pumpkins and winter squashes, right, Alice? Yeah. So that they could store them, Mm -hmm. right? Well, those have to also be picked after its skin has hardened thoroughly if you want to keep them, you know? So you have to be careful not to damage or break off the stem of the squash. Um, Otherwise, you can wound it and then it will begin to rot. And also squash um, produces a lot of you know a lot of a lot uh, of fruits, fruits. so yeah. the more you pick the more it's sort of like tricking the plant into thinking oh i didn't produce uh, i i didn't produce seed oops let me produce another flower and then i'll produce another fruit so you can get away with that for a little while mm-hmm. um during the summer 
So when you cut it, use a sharp knife and you want to cut like three or four inches from, from the fruit, which it also is a fruit with a sharp knife. And you want to let the squash sit in the sun for a few days to cure and for the stem to dry. And then you can store them in like a single layer, not touching each other, kind of like you would store potatoes in kind of a cool dry airy place Mm -hmm. um and they can last for a couple of months you know depending on the variety Mm -hmm. um and don't doesn't your mom make squash blossoms yes in fact um i wanted to talk a little bit about that my mother being the frugal um peasant woman that she is (laughs) i hope she's not listening to that (laughs) she's proud of that fact Great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Um, she will use every part of the plant. And we talked that about that a little bit with Scott, too, when he was here on the show talking yeah. about uh, rare vegetables. Using the stems. Yeah. yeah. She picks these squash flowers. Now, squash squashes um, have male and female flowers on the same plant. So she picks the biggest flowers, which are the males, that don't usually produce the fruit. And it's a very intensive process. And I'm going to share the recipe on our Facebook fan page because it's a bit complicated to get into here. But she picks them and she peels them and she gets all that hairy stems off. And she shakes off the beetles and bugs. And then she prepares them in the most delicious way, fries them, puts them into omelets. She also stuffs them. And it's one of the most time-consuming um, it's very laborious ver- processes and it's very very seasonal and whenever I see squash blossoms on the menu of famous restaurants you know and fancy restaurants I think my mom was doing this like 25 yeah. years ago before yeah. anybody was talking about squash blossoms you know <laughs> um, and it is really really de- delicious and actually the flowers are rich in the beta carotene that the um, the you know the squashes are too so it's yeah. a really super nutritious um thing to eat and I was inspired too by this show I came up with a three sisters soup that I just kind of made up off the top of my head that I'm going to post on the um, Facebook fan page as well so um, come back and listen and speaking of Facebook fan page Alice and I thought that we could do something really fun this week and have a little quiz Um, for those people who go to the Facebook fan page. Um, We're going to ask you a question now. And the first person to answer on our Facebook fan page, Groundworks Gardens, We Dig Plants, um, with the right answer is going to win a special prize from us. And it's not a bunch of zucchini. No, it's not. (laughs) I've already frozen that. All right. So are you ready? The quiz is, the question is this. What year did Mazzola corn oil come on the market? What year did Mazzola corn oil come on the market? Google, okay. Google, Google, Google it. All right. And I think, Alice, you have a few more yeah, words you want to say. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um, hybridizing. <laughs> I know this is like a huge topic, but mm-hmm. with regard to the three sisters, you know, humans have been manipulating and preserving these crops for several generations. Um And for future generations, beans um, have evolved on all continents and were carried by messengers as currency and as gifts. Every society has really prided themselves on beans 
as a gift historically. So this the con the complex distribution promoted the dissemination of these crops throughout the world, which created challenges um, for historians in tracing the crop's origin. So human hands, primarily the dexterity of the thumbs to extract the seed, has really helped the three sisters evolve into their present uh, varied forms. So how the Indians ended up with the knowledge of interplanting these crops is a mystery that we, as a naive and vulnerable society, early society, can only gain from and admire. Hybridizing as a practice, while offering of course, some horticultural gains, of course, eliminates the gift of sharing and interdisciplinary farming, of which we were founded on as a young country. So if not used cautiously, hybridizing can create a monostate where diet and family are no longer important, where sharing and communication and education are erased. So where would we be without the three sisters today? Sterile. (laughs) So we're going to end our show today. Thank you for joining us um, on We Dig Plants. Thank you to Whole Foods Market. And thank you to Jack Inslee for producing and Nat Wiener for engineering. Thanks to Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And to our sponsor, Whole Foods. If you missed any part of the show, please note that it's available via archive on the website, heritageradionetwork.com, and via podcast at iTunes. Hope you'll join us next Saturday, the 25th, for the Heritage Fundraiser. And uh, please leave comments on our Facebook fan page, Groundworks Inc. We dig plants. Happy gardening. <laughs>